0: Happy Friday, guys, and welcome to the episode of Let's Talk Dubs. I'm your host, Bill T., and this is what you've been waiting for all week, some good VW talk to get you motivated, get in your garage, put in some work, and bust out those rides. When are you going to bust out the rides? How about October 16th and 17th, and come on down to the Orleans Hotel and Casino, where everybody's going to happen to be staying. There's some driving events going on that weekend, because we can't officially have a car show. So there's going to be some driving events. We'll all be parked on lockdown on the top floor of the parking garage, so everybody gets to see all the VWs together, and kicks off Friday night with a strip cruise saturday during the day for a las vegas city cruise and photo shoot ah then the grand master event kicks off who doesn't want to win 1500 bucks cash i know i do but i can't because i'm giving it away so that's up to one of my lucky participants that's going to take place in our covid friendly (laughs) spaced apart poker run that's right you'll drive to five different locations in las vegas you'll get a poker card everybody gets back to the Orleans Hotel Casino, to the top floor parking garage. Everybody puts up their poker cards. person with the best hand wins $1,500 cash. That's right, $1,500 cash. Nobody's giving you more cash. Plus, when you register for the Poker Run, guess what else you get? You get a limited edition t-shirt that's only for participants in the Poker Run. And the shirt's pretty dope. You also get room discounts at the Orleans Hotel Casino for the event. You also get to hang out with me and George, and you might even see the VW limo. Man, you guys are, I'm telling you, I'm stoked for you guys, man. So make sure you go to letstalkdubs.com, you register, you click on the tab that says Showtime, t- show or right in the middle of the screen, at the top of the screen, there's a big ticket it says Vegas Weekend is Back. Click on that, reserve your space now, you'll get your hotel room code sent to you so you can get your special room rate and discounts, and I look forward to seeing you guys October 16th and 17th here in Las Vegas, the Orleans Hotel, because you know, before we get into this podcast... Let's remember this podcast is brought to you by Ross Wolf. Tired of the same old stuff for your VW? Check out Ross Wolf. They have a variety of accessories for your VW gas tank clamps, fender washer kits, IDA jet covers, distributor clamps, velocity stacks, and body to pan kits. All constructed of T6 6061 aluminum, anodized in a variety of colors. One of the coolest pieces that I personally like is their locking dipstick. Jason and Jared started this company to fill the void in the VW parts industry where customers receive the service they deserve. Where did the name Ross Wolf come from? Well, check out RossWolf.com to read about a man whose commitment to performance was only matched by his dedication to quality parts. To check out more, go to RossWolf.com. And check back often for an always-expanding catalog. That's RossWolf.com. R-O-S-S-W-U-L-F.com. RossWolf.com. So support those that support Let's Talk Dubs podcast. All right, on today's podcast, we go south to Tempe, Arizona. We talk to Matt Howard from Deluxe Customs. You may know Matt if you've gone to Octo. Or you go on any of the bus meets. You might know Matt from some of his custom paint jobs he does. You might know him from Porsche 356 Restorations. Or you might know him from the December 1991 Hot VW's cover car. That's right. AZ Looker. Desert Rat takes it to the streets. Finally, some vindication in the early 90s for some of us desert people. Uh, Matt, I met quite a few years back when I met Buddy. And they are working in the same shop together. Matt's always been a solid cat. A real good eye. Heavy detail dude. Uh, check out his website to follow along. Go to Deluxe Customs. Dot com. He's been doing some dope stuff for quite a few years. Really, right now, he's doing a lot of 356 Porsches and whatnot, but his heart and his core is still VW, so we got a good podcast with him this week. He's a great cat. I know you guys will enjoy it, so buckle up and listen, and let's get into this week's podcast with Matt Howard from Deluxe Customs on Let's Talk Dubs. A Volkswagen a
1: nice station wagon to have a-
0: Okay, guys, on today's show, I've got my friend out of Tempe, Arizona, my buddy, Matt Howard. Uh, Matt, I met years and years ago when I met Buddy, and I met some of the Arizona crew down there, and we had this common bond of kin of desert people that uh, we come together on. And so um, he's been building cars at Arizona for a long time. You may remember December 1991, his bug was on the cover of Hot VWs, and it said Arizona Looker. and. Uh, yep. And on today's show, we've got Matt Howard with Deluxe Customs out of Tempe, Arizona. Matt, welcome to the show.
2: Thanks. Thanks, Bill. Good to see you.
0: Hey, so the way we start off every podcast is we typically start off with your history and how you got into Volkswagens. And how did you get into Volkswagens and what's your VW story?
2: Uh, Pretty much um, like most people sitting in high school, sitting in class, instead of learning, uh, staring at magazines that my buddy had next to me and Looking over his shoulder, he always had a Hot VW's magazine. I was in my probably 14 or 15 years old and uh, kind of got the, the bite from that. And he uh, ended up getting a Volkswagen bug himself and took me for one ride, and that was it. I was hooked. So I uh, saved every penny I had from working at uh, a penny saver route and a paper route and took all that money and was able to uh, hunt down my first bug and couldn't quite afford it. But my dad stepped in and helped me out with a, a credit card he put in his name. And uh, told me, son, you better not ruin my credit. Right. And uh, if you actually ask him today, I paid it off in the first year of ha- him helping me out with it. So very, very uh, dedicated to getting him paid back uh, or learned early in life to make sure dad was happy.
0: Yeah. And what, we, what year yeah. was that bug that you got, the first bug? It was a
2: 68 bug. Uh-huh. And it was a little backyard restoration somebody done to it. And it was a running driving car for 1500 bucks.
0: So a little so, turnkey driver.
2: Yeah. "Quote unquote restored," which at the time it <laughs> to me was it was absolutely flawless, you know. Well, so
0: but but it's it's interesting because in the eighties and nineties restored then, and we're going to get into this a little later in the podcast because that's what sure. you focus on right now is restorations. Re- yep. Restored then, like a restored car was like anything you don't see doesn't get touched back in the days, and then new carpet, new interior, new paint, yeah, like that was a restoration. That's
2: exactly what this car had.
0: And as soon as you pull the seat out yeah, or whatever, we, you know,
2: for a fi- 16 year old, 15 and a half is when I got, it. yeah, as a 15 and a half year old, a shiny paint and a, a new seat cover, it was restored, you know, yeah. right on top of the world. So, yeah, so it was white, uh, just run of the mill bug. But within the first three days I had that thing pulled leafs out of the front and had the back torsions, uh, clocked with a buddy of mine and had that thing lowered. My parents were furious, <laughs> but what are you going to do?
0: You ruined the car, son. What are you doing?
2: <laughs> yeah had it torn apart the first three days of getting a brand new car, basically. So, but they learned to understand it and and understand what we were doing as time went on, of course.
0: And that's the first thing I do is you get a car, you got to slap some cool on it, right. To make it driveable. Oh oh,
2: yeah. (laughs) Well, at least what we think.
0: (laughs) And so now, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people see you, like they'll see you at a show. They'll see me. They'll look at us and be like, Oh, those guys are really into, you know, those guys are some of the VW guys that have been in the scene for a long time and you know, whatever. But, back when we were coming up, especially like me being from Vegas, you being from Arizona, we didn't, uh, there was this feeling like to some degree that we didn't get the recognition of people in Southern California and stuff like that. Just like talking about like the Midwest guys feel and things like that. Sure. What was it like for you in the VW scene up until building your car? And like, what pushed you to get to that point to build your cover car?
2: Uh, you know, just not even knowing that California existed basically at that point in time uh, being from Arizona, not being able to travel very much growing up, very poor. Uh, we went to California once growing up, even though it was next door. And, um, my first, uh, trip to California for a VW Bug Jamboree, and that was game over, you know, from that point it was, I've got to have this, right. you know, obviously it, it, you know, early, mid, mid eighties, you know, we were looking at probably Panzer cars. We were looking at, uh, uh, the cow look and it really kind of struck me, uh, you know, pretty quick and hard of what I wanted to do, uh, that, and, and unfortunately learning that a 68 bug just wasn't cool enough, (laughs) uh, needed that early bug. So, um, started searching for a nice body or another bug I could, uh, you know, get my hands on once, once I knew I needed it to be early. I actually, uh, did the old, uh, deck lid hood and all four fender swap on the 68 was the first customization I did early stuff on the late car. So, you know, just, uh, understanding that they're just uh cooler things out there I mean, you know, every time you turn around something's going to be better or cooler than, than what you're doing
0: and now you know you do uh, and, and you started out doing paint body work and all that kind of stuff and, and now how does that does does that come from merging with your like you took your hobby to another level where you wanted to do that for work or, or how does that come together
2: um uh-huh pretty simple. I was actually, uh, you know, all through high school, I did all the customization myself, me and my buddies just from down the street. And then all my friends started getting Volkswagen's. You know, you start great. as you know, growing up, you start getting your crew, all your buddies say, Oh, I'm going to do that too. Or I'm going to do this. And I just happened to have just a real handy bunch of friends. So we would do most of all the stuff ourselves. And then I uh, met Dan Lawson from competition engineering. Um, He was at Carl's Custom back then. And we just kind of always, uh, got along with each other, you know, as a 16 year old punk ass kid, he always respected me and always treated me really well and, and taught me a lot of stuff. And then, um, I was actually just out of high school. I was going to college to be an architect beside I was a study, study architecture kind of had that, you know, design in my head, you know, the, the, and are very artistic. And, um, while I was doing that, uh, I, I kind of ran into Dino's custom painting, uh, met those guys and saw the cars they were doing at the time. They had just started uh, in 89 and I graduated in 89 and they had just started their business outside of uh, Dan's shop. It was called dubs and things at the time. And uh, what had happened is I got into my summer break after my first semester and, and um, I went down to, to Dino's, asked how much for a paint job. And he saw the work I had already done to my car And asked me, you know, who did the work. And I basically said, I did in my mom's driveway. And he said, where did you go to school? And I said, nowhere. So he said, I'll tell you what, you work this summer and uh, and we'll work off and you'll we'll paint your car for you. And I just never left. So I never went back to college, pissed my mom off, of course. (laughs) And uh, and I stayed with Dino for 14 years. So and and, that and you started basically out basically how that went
0: Like obviously I one of my first jobs back when I was young real young 13 years old I worked at a Corvette fiberglass body shop and you Woo! know what when yeah that was it, it sucked it was the worst two weeks of my life um but yeah. uh
2: yeah, you fly, you fiberglass.
0: and and you know when when you start out in that business you know, it's just like anything else. You start out doing like the worst of the worst, the grunt work and working your way up. So did they just have well, you like, Hey, you're going to be sanding stuff. Like you're gonna be sanding stuff. Oh
2: yeah. Oh yeah. I, I feel pretty fortunate that I, that I started out working for Dino because, um, he never really had set, uh, people there. Like basically everybody kind of did everything. So I was able to learn every end of the trade. Plus I, you know, just had the, the, the desire to want to say, well, how do you weld? And he'll say, well, we'll get to that. And I'll, I like, so I just, during lunch, I go over and start blasting away on the welder on scrap, you know, and then he'd say, and then he'd kind of walk over and show me what to do. And then of course everything's acquired, you know, time and, and effort is how you'll get there. Just thousands of hours of after work and weekends and, and, you know, just learning the trade. So um very fortunate that I was able to learn every end of it. And as far as painting, uh, you know we had a few uh, as we got bigger we needed more painters and I just had to pick up the gun one day and actually believe it or not the first car I sprayed all by myself was Dean Lowry's last drag car Oh really and at the time it was just mind-blowing for me because I collected empty stuff my whole life and I painted the the purple green and pink um, uh, round window super beetle drag car that he had and then Don Kozie, his partner at the time rolled it the first. The first trip down the track, I watched this car roll. My first paint job ever. Oh, wow. So I was pretty pretty uh, fortunate, though, to be able, be able to learn every end of the trade that way.
0: And then uh, when you, and, and so today, D- Deluxe Customs is a pretty good-sized shop that's got, I mean, you've got a backlog for work of, what's your backlog right now that you're doing?
2: We, we're, we're backed up about three years. We're about usually around a two-year waiting list mm-hmm. at any given time, and that's, pretty comfortable uh sometimes it's only a year but we kind of you know you never know when the cars are coming in you could add six months to a year i mean you even know on your own cars you've done as a business owner you plan a certain amount of time for a car but the minute you sandblast it or take it down to bare bare metal then you could add six eight months and when you have three or four cars that that end up looking like that you've just added another two years to your list so it, it it kind of averages out right around two years at any given time um you know we've had uh some catch up time here during COVID because we've just been really focused and staying in the shop and don't have a lot of customers coming down and bothering us and, and really been able to turn out some stuff. So we're getting a little caught up, but that's about the average.
0: And now you started Deluxe Customs. So how do you, so when you leave Dino's and is that when you end up starting your own shop?
2: It is. So I, I pretty much would have been with Dino my whole life. I mean, I, I really love the guy. Um, and, and, we were at the time we were painting motorcycles. We got into that whole motorcycle craze. Let me give you a backlog of Dino. So we were VW. He just came from the a regular car world, but mm-hmm. had a chance to start painting all these VWs. I was a VW guy through and through. Dino went really. When I say Dino, is Dean Calder was the owner. He just kind of went by Dino, not like by like Dean Lowry.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so, uh, I little, so I was the Volkswagen drive to keep that going. Well, when the sport truck era hit, we did sport trucks. Like nonstop. Yeah. A few Volkswagens here and there. And then the motorcycle craze hit. And we did almost 30,000 motorcycles at Dino's before I left. Titan Motorcycle Company, Borghett Bike Works, Gymnasi Customs. Really? uh, Jesse Rook Bikes. And so very hardcore in motorcycles. Well, it was getting so busy. We were doing 30 motorcycles a week. And me and my younger brother worked there. And we had 42 employees and two shops. What was happening is the quality was dropping. And he was uh, not coming into work as often, you know, not being like, in my opinion, uh, the boss, you know, Mm -hmm. a a working boss. He just would do his thing and then he would go home and then we'd work all weekend. We'd work, you know, three straight months to get these bikes done. And I basically said, you know, either come in, help me out, get the quality up, come in on weekends, work late, be there side by side with me because I was there since the beginning with him. And I'll stay with you. If not, I'm going to start my own business. And he basically laughed at me and said, You're not going anywhere. And I gave wow. him a, a two month notice. And still, after two months, he still didn't believe I was even leaving till the last week. And he basically said, You're really leaving? And I said, I'm out of here in a week. So I quit with not a dollar in my savings account. I had my cars that I had acquired over the years and a home to live in. And the worst thing I said is, Worst thing it can be, I can lose everything, right? Right. So I started my own business, a little one-day shop, uh, a spray booth in one car would fit in there, and um, just grew it to what it is today. Didn't steal any of Dino's customers or clients, and unfortunately, with the bike craze went down, he went down, and uh, and now he's back on his own with just like two guys, uh, which he says he's happier with two guys. I can understand that having five yeah. or six myself, but uh, and then fortunately for me, as he started going down, uh, I had enough business picking up that like my, both my brothers were able to come over and work with me. They worked for him at the time too. Oh, really, And as he let them go, they come over and started working for me. So been real fortunate to be able to have, uh, be working with my brothers again. So, and then you,
0: I mean, besides the bug that you, that was on the cover car and, and we might jump back to this a little bit, but besides the bug, right being from Arizona and like the dream, the closest you get to California is like seeing the magazine. stuff like that, when you, when your car was on the cover, like how did that make you feel? And did that motivate you? How did that change your motivation on building cars?
2: Uh, oh, absolutely. You know, um, it's funny you ask that. Cause my, when I got this bug, I told my dad that my car is going to be on the cover of that magazine right there. <laughs> and he kind of, kind of giggled at the time because you know, your 16 year old kid thinks he's going to get a car on the cover sure. of a magazine. That's, that's, you know, that's, Thinking pretty big of yourself, really. Yeah. So um, anyway, so it's uh, uh, the drive to get there, the, the shoot that, that uh, was done by R.K. Smith, mm-hmm. which was fun because when we re- uh, re-debuted it here at the uh, Prado Park about two years ago, R.K. was there as well. We took some real nice photos with him, but uh, he took the photos. That's the day I finished that car. So I finished that car the night before that Buggerama uh, I debuted at a Buggerama 10 here in Phoenix. And they took the photo shoot. so to to have it uh, on the cover, it, it's it's hard to explain, especially as I think it was 18 or 19 when that happened. Oh wow! And for that to be a 19 year old to have that happen, it, it's 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 exciting. It's the best thing that ever really happened to you at the time. I mean, all all thoughts aside, it, it, you know, it's, it's something so simple, but you know, you, you get you know, I've got that in the mailbox since '86, and now I go out to my mailbox. And, uh, there's in the plastic is my car, you know, yeah. I still have that magazine in the plastic with Untouched. my label on it. It's my mom's house. <laughs> I never opened it. I just ran down to the, to the store and grabbed a bought copy to open, but I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's exactly what I did. I bought them all for all your friends and family and hand them to your grandparents. It's, it's it. a good feeling. It really is. It, and, you know, it, it, when it happens later on in life it you don't get quite as excited, but man, it to be 19 years old and have it happen, it's you might as well be a movie star at that point.
0: Oh yeah, and, but, and and then to get your car, so your car gets featured on the cover of the magazine, which is like over over the top. And then this car, because you, sure. you at some point you get known for like the car, like oh yeah, that's Matt's car, like the Matt, you know that that's kind of it becomes an extension of you, right?
2: Sure, sure. And you know before the magazine came out, since I debuted, it, it was like in April of ninety see April of 91 I'm guessing maybe or maybe the but it's November of 90 I think is where I debuted anyhow now the whole year I hauled it over to California you know that was my goal now my car is going to be at the classic it's going to be at the bug jamboree
1: right so
2: I would take it over there for that and uh it was kind of real neat the first time I ever ever showed it at the California bug jamboree right for the Cinco de Mayo event I'm guessing right uh just waiting in line you know it's five in the morning it's foggy and uh, a couple of the real early German folk guys were all parked behind me and they came up and knocked on my window. And, you know, just basically we started rapping out and really liked my car. And we're still friends today over that, that moment, that morning of debuting my car at the bug jamboree in California, they even invited me over to go check out their cars at their house. And, uh, it was just a, a was a really neat thing for me because again we're just desert rats we're just these yeah. guys in the middle of it might have might as well have been in the middle of the United States to a, to a Californian you know right. so it was neat to be appreciated to, to built a car that they liked you know that something that they were into so well, that was fun
0: and and back in the nineties like uh you know my silver bug that I had back in 91, 92 – uh, in, like, 89, 88, I had it red and white, and I had it on red five spokes. And five spokes were, like, the go-to wheel, right? Because oh, di- yeah. disc brake kits weren't out yet, so everybody was just still running five lug. And, you know, y- if you ran Porsche wheels, you run running adapters. But there was, like, this thing in the ni- – I think 90s was, like, the pinnacle – of five spokes and i may have to do a count one day of like what what year magazine covers and wheels you know because sure, i think sure. early 90s like and then and then when the guy started chroming five spokes it became off the chain you know what i mean because like
2: my br- my brother when he debuted his bug, he had chrome five spokes yeah because mine were polished and a guy told me to do anything chrome them yeah you know because i have many times i have to polish my own wheels but those are the same wheels that are on my car today i got uh, about six months into working for dino Again, working during the summer, he didn't have any money to pay me. And uh, as I'm building my car, he, he's uh, swiped his credit card and went down. I went down and every payday, I went down and got a one-five spoke off the shelf nice. uh, over at Carl's Custom and Phoenix, And those are the same wheels that are sitting on my car today and, that I that I earned on on a credit card at Dino's.
0: And and now you, <laughs> uh, you know, you had that car for so many years, and then at some point, you part ways with this car. Yes. So what, what's the motivation to get rid of the car and then how do you end up getting it back?
2: So about, uh, probably about 18 years ago, I, uh, had a a few other cars and they were sitting in my backyard in my house, exposed to the Arizona sun, which just murders cars, original paint 21 window at, at 62 Westphalia, uh, flip seat and that pink bug were just, rotting away in the sun, you know, as I would storm in my backyard because, you know, you got to keep your car somewhere. And um, so I just decided that was the car that had to go to be able to, to uh, build a garage at my house, picking up all my cars in them, which uh, I'm still in there today. I've been in there 20 years. And uh, so the car left, a uh, gentleman bought it off Samba. Uh, that's where I advertised it and drove it to straight from picking it up in Arizona, drove it straight to the coast where he picked up his wife then he drove it up the coast to Washington <laughs> and drove it all the way back home to uh, Indianapolis, Indiana.
1: Get I didn't know here. he was
2: doing this. I had no <laughs> idea he was doing this. Sends me pictures along the way of his trip. And then when he gets home, says he got home no problem. I'm like, home no problem? What are you talking about? And then he told me what trip he took. <laughs> and I was luck. like, one Dude, of us was like, you bought an unknown car Samba, drove it that distance. I said, you are lucky. You are yeah. lucky you bought the right car but yeah. anyhow, he went on a, a second honeymoon with his wife, with the car. They, they had met in a, in a ragtop bug.
1: Oh, that's right. And
2: anyhow, unfortunately, he passed away shortly after that. And she kept the bug, put it in the garage. And about 14 years later, she put it up on Samba again. And one of my friends spotted it. Had no reason to buy the car back. I saw it. as was like, oh, that's cool. You know, It looks the same. Looks about like they took good care of it and my friends were like, what are you doing? Buy your freaking car back. Right. And so I managed to get the funds together, and I actually bought it back for $500 less than I sold it for. <laughs> so I basically had a 14-year interest-free loan
1: nice. uh, and
2: got my car back. Had the same tires on it that when I sold it. Had a small engine fire uh, that uh, at one time, and somebody did a little repair on the back, but they didn't do a terrible job. So it, you know, it kind of bugs me to see it, but It is what it is, but you know, you know, everything I have today is because of that car. You know, I learned how to wrench on that car. My, my father doesn't even own a toolbox. You know, we're first generation (laughs) car builders. So it just made sense to get it back.
0: And so what was, what was that like? Like, did you go, did you ship the car to you or did you go get it?
2: Fortunately, the person that owned it, that that got it from her, he was going to come out to California anyways. He was an old hot rodder and, uh, he was going to come out to California anyway, if I waited six months, he would transport it to me. So sure enough, six months later, that guy pulled up in my, my driveway, unloaded it, checked out the shop. And he's actually come into the my shop every year, like clockwork since then when he goes to California to like probably the good guy's show or something. Yeah. He bumps in and says hi and checks out my shop and brings friends with him. It's pretty cool. So like a lifetime friendship kind of came of it.
0: Yeah, and 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 what was the experience like when after all those years and you actually understand? Is it it's kind of like bumping into an ex girlfriend type thing? Like you, yeah, there's all these memories, and then you see it again, and you're like, yeah, but it, but it, but it's better.
2: But it's like, how did I date that? How did I date this chick? No, it's like just looking at the quality. It's like, whoa, we thought this was nice, right? You know, it's. We we obviously have changed over the years. I even had people look at it it's like, "This is what you do at Deluxe." I'm like, "Oh hell no, 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 no." That was just a 16 year old building the car, and I'd have to drive it home every night. Yeah. So you know, on a weekend Friday night, you tear the whole thing apart, do a bunch of work. By Sunday night, you're putting it back together and driving it home. You know, it's it it it, it, it was done on a, on a budget and it was done on the cheap. So well, and, and it so, still lasted. It still looks good.
0: And that leads me to my next question. So when you get the car back, obviously you you look at cars. We we all look at cars differently now than we did twenty years ago, as far as quality restoration and all that stuff. When you look at that car, do you have the nostalgia and the respect for where you started to leave it like it is? Do you want to change it, or do you want to leave it like it is? Like what what do you when you get it back and you look at it? What's your?
2: I think I think I'll, I'll probably leave it how it is. You know, the, the vision would be, I don't have any children. I, for some reason, I've made it this long without a child. <laughs> uh, kind of my business is in my baby, as they say, or my cars are. Or maybe yeah. I'm just selfish. I'm not sure yet. Uh, but the um, the goal is probably to leave it the way it is. Maybe retirement, you know, plan would be to blast it apart, redo it identical, but, you know, perfect. Yeah. But I don't know if that will ever happen. It's yeah. it's made it so long. It's made it 30, 30 years, you know, the way it is. I actually... Uh, you know, I cruise it all the time. Uh, We have a cruise spot here called Metro Center. That was a mall that we drive circles around every single weekend night in the summer, every single night. And that mall actually closed this year. And about two months ago, they had a uh, cruise Metro Center night and I took it back out there. And it was just the time of my life to be able to drive that sucker around the same mall that I used to cruise, you know, chicks in in 1989. You know, it was, it was awesome. There was 2,500 cars that showed up and it was just fun to be in the same exact car doing the same thing again. You know, I look like crap, but the, the car still looking.
1: <laughs> right. I think we all look a little
0: different. And we look at that rear mirror, yeah. we see that. We see the 18-year-old version of ourselves like, ah, oh, I'm looking good. Ready for... Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs>
0: it's so funny because yeah, when We're not
2: picking up on any chicks now. Anymore.
0: Well, when you're young, you have no game. Then when you're older, you've got it figured out, and you're like, man, I wasted all those years not knowing how to talk to chicks and doing all <laughs>
2: Yeah, you never you never talk to one. You'd you'd just stare at them fourteen right. times going around the circle, and then you'd go home and wish you would have said something to her or at least waved. But now yeah. you just pull we pull right up to her and say, "What's up, girl?" <laughs> right, right.
0: Yeah, it's so <laughs> it's so funny the way things start changing in our life. They take yeah, op- opposite ends of things, but and so besides yeah, yeah. Be- besides the bug, you also you're pretty you were pretty big into buses too. I mean, you're you're you've had quite a few buses yeah. over the years. Yeah, and I know that you've got. You're 21, right? You've had for
1: a, yeah, a real my, long time.
2: My 21 window, that was very fortunate. I was very, I've had that for 25 years. I've been driving it for 25 years. So it's still an original paint. Um, I was very fortunate to get that car, uh, a car that we did at Dino's painted a, a 63 Bug for a customer. And he had this bus, and he kept telling me to come buy this bus from him. I'm 23 <laughs> years old. I don't need another. I have a car already. Do right. Need a second? What's a second car? <laughs> you know, and he kept bugging me for a year. I never went and looked at this thing. And uh, believe it or not, I had a girlfriend at the time that needed a car. And I'm like, well, I'll go get this bus for you. You can buy it, drive it around or whatever. <laughs> get over to his house, starts pulling the, the blankets off this bus. I see it's all original paint, which back then still wasn't cool yet. You know, right. I thinking, oh, I'm starting thinking think how I'm going to paint this thing hot pink or right. whatever the cool color was at the time. And, uh, and as he gets up, I, I see through and I see skylights in a ragtop and I'm like, Oh my God, what have I done? Right. And then as he takes it off, I mean, there's basically not a dent in the thing, hundred percent complete. And, uh, took me about two days to convince myself to go back and buy it. But for myself, you know, the girlfriend wouldn't get this. <laughs> it's, I think she was out of my life about three months later anyways, <laughs> right. but I, I actually had to go get a loan for for, you ready for it? $2,850 <laughs> is what that bus cost me. So $2,850 loan, and I drove it home. And I've still been driving it till today.
0: And that's a 67? Is it?
2: That's a 65. 65. Okay. Velvet, velvet green, blue, white, uh, yeah. 21 window. All original paint down. It spent its life down in Sierra Vista, Arizona. School teacher, as the story goes, a school teacher would take her kids to school and back in it. Yeah, I remember. So local. I- Bus. I,
0: I remember seeing that car i mean years ago back when i took the the gear down there to buddy and i saw that car no i think we i, I yeah. came down there for some other reason and i remember i remember i was there we uh, I, on my old website vegasvolks.com i had a page where it was called bombing down to phoenix and then we bombed down there like four in the morning and it was like a friday afternoon and you guys all met at like this um it was like a like a sonic or something like that like an outdoor oh,
2: yeah like <laughs> Yeah, like Friday nights at
0: Sonic or something like that for a while. Bro, it was so hot. I was like I'm sitting there and <laughs> I'm like I'm like, dude, it's freaking nighttime. It's like a hundred degrees right now. Like I was oh, yeah. I was dying. <laughs> but I remember seeing it back then and I thought like I saw the bus, I'm like, bro, this is like so, so cherry, like such a nice, nice bus. You know what I mean? And and even back and I, then I was impressed at, at what kind of condition it was in because you know, especially well, I've, being all I've original.
2: I've put like 130,000 miles on that myself. Yeah. So, that, you know, it's been over the Octo probably 15 or 20 times been to, used to go to the bug jamboree. I, I took that thing to the classic in mid nineties and tried to sell it for 14 grand and nobody'd buy it. <laughs> <laughs> so I got lucky that nobody stepped up and, and I uh, actually, I take that back. It was $4,500 because another friend of mine came, came later and says, I'll buy it now. And I'm like, nah, but uh it wasn't. It was a no sell. Forty five hundred dollars at the VW Classic. So it's mean, just weird where the you know where things have gone over the last 20, 30 years. But yeah. it's it's been a blast. I take everybody around in it. You know, it holds nine people, and we just bomb down the coast in it. You know, it, it, of course, it wants to live in, in SoCal. Oh, yeah. you, know, you get it on a the PCH. They they just purr. You know, yeah. we're used to you know, one hundred and fifteen degree weather. <laughs> you know, trying to keep them cool. But right, right. It's, it's a blast. It's I, a fun bus.
0: And so you've had several buses and whatnot and, and I remember seeing uh and I last time I talked to you, you still had this car. You still had your three hundred. Do, do you No, you, I
2: don't I don't have that any longer.
0: So I mean and you but you I was surprised at how long you kept that car for. The, yeah, the, I had it the, the three hundred you know, custom for a while.
2: Yeah, we, we know, we customized it. That was my when I did quit and start my own business, I had just got that car in order. I didn't even have it yet. And I'm not only am I broke and start my own business, but I have a, a thirty thousand dollar Chrysler 300 on order. You know, this was a last minute. Just I'm out of here. I just got fed up. And um, so anyhow, we did. We customized. It ended up being a, a blessing because I was able to paint a car and customize a car that was cool. And you know, when it first came out, the hottest and, thing on the market. Yeah, I kind of made a flagship for myself sure. because before that, I was always under the Dino umbrella. I mean, I couldn't even count how many times somebody would say Dino painted that car. And it's like, no, I painted that car right. or Dino body. I painted that. I bodyworked that. And kind of a what I've also kind of moved that forward to my own business is everybody's always done everything. Like if you ever talk about deluxe, everybody does everything. There's nobody saying I did this or I did this. We always did that. Now right. it's kind of a, something I wanted to establish. And with that 300, I was able to show people the quality because if you just start a business out of nowhere and you were umbrellaed under another guy for 14 years, Start out as Joe Schmo on a street corner. Yeah, that's tough.
1: Yeah, that's tough.
2: So it was nice to be able to have that. Enjoyed it. It was a great car. Uh, Bomb that thing around. Had uh, it was at SEMA two years in a row in the Dub booth. Yeah, it was just as a um, kind of huh? like talking to the hot chick. We just pulled up the SEMA and talked to the owner of Dub, and just uh, said, Hey, you want this car in your booth? And that's how we did. It. Me and my buddy Sven, and sure enough, man, they pulled us right in, gave me a free set of wheels. It was awesome.
0: Just faked it but, till you made it, huh? Just like yeah, yeah. It's awesome.
2: <laughs> I owe it more to Sven. He's more is the more outgoing. He, you know, that's kind of my my friend that that you know the Your if pitch you just guy. walk into somewhere and act like you know what you're doing, nobody's going to stop you, and and right. it worked. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. No, that's yeah. A... Miles, Miles is the owner of Dub Man. He's a really cool guy. He's always treated us well, and I mean, I haven't had a, a car like that at SEMA for since that car. And he still says hi to us every time we walk by at SEMA. So it was a neat little experience, uh, you know, the getting back into, you know, having a new car and customizing it was fun for a while, but always have the Volkswagens at any given moment. Uh, I drove those more than I drove my 300. So,
0: well, and that's the, that's one of the things that, you know, that, that I'm interested about is like, you know, working at Dino's and, 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 building custom chopper, like painting custom choppers and doing just custom job after custom job after custom job. There's something to that because there's it's like when you're when you're in that environment, it's always like, Oh, hey, House of Colors has this new marbleized look, or they've got this, and they've got this. And then when you start doing that, you start your business kind of looking for some of that cool custom stuff and the SEMA stuff sure. doesn't hurt and, and and some mini truck stuff or some custom truck stuff or whatever doesn't hurt. Yep. But it always seems that you come back to like, <laughs> like a base coat, clear coat kind of single stage or just regular. And so how do all you all yeah, how, like how do you, because there's got to be something that you like about the custom, because that's kind of where you you cut your teeth is like the custom crazy stuff. And then to be able to chase well, before, the standard stuff, you know.
2: I, so I you said you a had a dually.
0: dually.
2: Uh-huh. Yeah, it was orange and silver. It was on the cover of Sport Truck Magazine. It was in Truckin'. And then it was actually in the Belltech ads. Uh, Belltech used it in their suspension ads. And so that's. You know, where that custom world started going when I got into the sport truck and, and I fell in love with it, you know, even coming from doing just, uh, you know, you see the color on my bug. You know, I, I had that flair. I like that bright, showy kind of uh, right. look. And, uh, you know, it, it didn't hurt to, to have a, a, a boss and a shop that was following all these trends and then moved into the chopper world. I thought about doing a chopper for about two minutes of my life, had one all designed out, drawn above my toolbox, uh, doing bikes for all these bike guys, right. you know, each one of them said, you know, whatever you need, it's yours, you know, whatever, if you need tanks, if you want to use my frame, you know, cause you know, we're doing all this work for sure. them. And, um, I, uh, just one day woke up and said, what am I doing, man? I, I, I don't need to be on a motorcycle. A B you're by yourself. Everywhere I go, I am mob with a crew, you know, I right. like, so I went and bought a, a Ford crew cab because I missed my dually that I had sold and and got back into to that my work truck you've seen that it's all pinstripe yeah. flamed and and as, you know stars floating down I still have it it's got two hundred fifty thousand miles on it that I've put on myself but I use it as a work truck now and uh, here at the shop and got another new Ford Super Crew uh, last year so that's uh, not flashy or anything it's just stock right. color right now but it's a fun truck no but so I mean it's it's uh. You know, following those trends I've always had uh, you know a flavor for, for custom paint you know and we do I do a lot of it myself um, and uh, I just haven't really done it on the Volkswagens you know I've always kind of left them uh, kind of stock or, or solid one color.
0: And so you worked so uh, you started Deluxe customs you're known in the VW scene locally in Arizona. And so, obviously, there's a little bit of that world where you get some of the VW guys, and a lot of VW guys are VW guys because they can't afford to be anything other than the VW guy. You know what I mean? Sure. And it's, that's yeah. all of our humble beginnings. And then you start to get, you start to cross over to the Porsche world. How does that transition take place from like everyday regular car? Because now you guys primarily do like 356s, right?
2: Yeah. About 90% of our work is 356s. Um, Believe it or not, it's just from keeping that quality and I, I kind of proud of it because I left Dino to keep my quality up keep because that what made me feel good mm-hmm. the attention to detail um, you know doing the cars flawless inside and out and it just kind of was a uh, enough people seeing these Volkswagen some of these Porsche guys would go to the Bugarama, or they'd be at an air-cooled event or they knew somebody who knew somebody and actually my friend Jules Delan um, brought a customer or, or a person he sold a car to. Over to one of our VW events, and he saw an oval window I did. Sven uh, Sivertsen's oval window was on the cover of Hobby Ws as well.
1: Yeah, the coral one.
2: When. Mid, midnight, mm-hmm. Yeah, the coral red. And that customer, that guy that owned that Porsche, uh, looked at that car and said, "You're doing my 356." And we had already done a, a 59 coupe uh, earlier in my in my business, but, but this was the one that really got us. So he didn't just want paint and body; he wanted to we assembled the car as well. He wanted Every bit of it. He wanted his car to look like that car, but a 356, mm-hmm. that quality. And that was the As soon as I did that car, uh, the first event it went to, I basically booked out four cars at one event. And that's where it went since then. So they, you know, the Porsche people know the quality. They want the quality. Um, there was a big learning curve on the Porsches as yeah. far as the gaps and what they expect. But, you know, I, I tell all of them, it's the, basically a, it's the 36 is a VW. Right. I mean, there's a lot of things that are different. There's a lot of things yep. that are the same. A
0: unibody like the VW. Biggest
2: thing what's that?
0: I said a unibodied VW.
2: Exactly, yeah. And But it's always fun to show the, the Porsche people that are diehard Porsche people and show them parts on their car that have VW logos on them. Yeah. And say, hey, what's this? This is a VW logo on your car. That part doesn't go on my car. Uh, like, yeah, it does. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's exactly where yeah, it goes. So
2: that was where it kind of went to. And, and, you know, some people get mad or, you know, the, the biggest problem I'm having now is that the Porsche people say, "Oh, you're just an old VW guy," but the VW people now are saying, "Oh, you're, you just know Porsches," and it's you're, like, <laughs> "Yeah, you're a snobby <laughs> Porsche bold, guy." <laughs> you know, it, I had a, a guy we did a Fritalin for up in, in Idaho, Don McNeil, and neat guy, real, real, real fun to work with. But a lot of his comments were, "You know Porsches," this is a VW, and I'm just like, "Man, you're way off." Yeah, you're. <laughs> or he'd say. Uh, you know, this thing is like a bus and you don't really know buses. And I'm like, well, actually I do. <laughs> so it, it, it's kind of, I've kind of created a, a, a monster, so to say, yeah. of this VW Porsche battle, you know, the world of, of, of VW and Porsche people. Well, but,
0: yeah. What's the biggest difference between the two, like a VW customer and a Porsche customer? What's the diff- biggest difference that you not- typically notice?
2: Um, they're, they're more particular. I mean, you do have those very particular VW people like yourself. Um, but most of the Porsche people I'd say 99% of them they know what they want they know what they're looking at they've done their research they've been with these cars for 30, 40, 50 years um, and they're just picky they're just but some of them pay to be picky some of them are as broke as you or me and want flawless so there's a real tough tough thing you know it's a tough thing to do that for these Porsche people to, to stay in a budget but give them perfection and these cars have to be per- perfect to get the value of the car back out of it you know they always have that mindset is I need to sell this sometime in my life or pass it down I need the value to be up here so
0: now is a Porsche so is a Porsche gonna run more money to restore because of their typical rust that they need repaired or I mean is it is there yes. more is there more hours in a Porsche than a because you painted a fastback too that was on the cover of uh yes yes of hot VWs um,
2: right There's there's a greater number of hours uh, because of the rust issues those cars where Volkswagen dipped the cars and they basically have primer like throughout the cavities Mm -hmm. and between all the layers of metal. Uh, 356s was cold rolled steel wrapped around cold rolled steel, spot welded or hand welded, uh, gas welded or whatever, uh, let it in, painted and undercoated. There's a little bit of seam sealer in the corners that was done like with a, a one component caulking. And it started falling out real early in the year of the car uh, of its life, and then those channels would just fill up with water and rust from the inside out. Yeah, they're just they they were all sprayed, not dipped, and um, so they just rotted out really bad. Then you also have uh, the biggest problem is you know like being a unibody, like you said, if the front gets hit, you don't just change the beam out with four bolts. Right. You know, if the beam is welded into the car, it takes like two hundred hours to swap a beam out of one of those cars. Is so it really? It, it's, oh, it's, not, it's all encased in three different layers. If you go to my website, we've done uh, a few cars. That, we just did a uh, 59 sunroof that had a front-end collision, and you can watch the process of what it takes just to change a beam out in that car. You can basically do all the metal work and body work on a bug for the time it takes to change a beam out and get it all uh, welded in place, welds ground, and undercoated to make it look like it was put in there by the factory. Wow. It is an obscene amount of time. And then you also have the Porsche customer. You don't just slap a bunch of bondo on the cars. We have to straighten the, the sheet metal and fair these cars to where they have zero filler into them. One light skim coat just to iron out some of the waves mm-hmm. and and uh, and some of the seams, and and then it has to be straight to primer. So you know a lot of them will take paint gauges to the cars. You know Volkswagen people don't typically do this. So just just so- the gaps all have to be. Three millimeters, all the way around every gap on the whole car. You so, know, Volkswagen could go eight to ten to twelve and back down again, and it's just they're just different cars. So I'm
0: I'm looking at this picture on your website at deluxe deluxecustoms.com, and I'm looking at that 356, and it looks like a almost like a stock VW beam, but is it is the is the body pinched and welded around the around the uh, the the side plates? That's what it looks like here in this picture. It though. is.
2: So the outside is is all welded. There's three layers there that are all spot welded together by one really hot spot welder back in the day. And so it's all encased. Uh, the beam is is the general science behind a bug beam, but then it's welded into the car.
0: That's crazy.
2: So it takes the same torsions. It takes the same control arms. The control arms have VW logos on them and part numbers <laughs> on a V56. Uh, all the same components. The one cool thing about a 356 is they were they were uh, adjustable. The from the factory. Adjustable. So the the whole swayway or the early adjusters that we put into our own yeah. Volkswagens is stolen from the design of a 356. You can actually adjust the center up uh, about I'd say three inches up or down on those cars. And then inch and a half each. On the
0: 356, uh, I'm sure the, the they got better. Uh, are all the corners the same on the car? Is there some variation from car to car? You know, because it's like a hand-built car, right, at the factory?
2: They're, every one of them's different. I'd call, them, I'd call them 98% the same, but every car, uh, the tub was jigged in place, and they welded the whole tub as, and jigged in, and then all the body uh, panels were hand-put hand on the car. They did have fixtures that came in and held them in place, and then they'd come in and weld them. But as they were putting those in, there was variations throughout the whole car. Mm-hmm. Uh, the hood and deck lid and doors, they made the inner skin fit the car. And then they would skin that that inner structure individually per car. That's why it's so important on the 356 to have the original number, number stamp parts to the car. It just makes the process a lot better. It makes the gaps a lot better from the get-go. So, you know, you'll take a car, a door from one car, and put it on another one, it is not going to fit that other 356. Or even a Volkswagen has some variations on how they'll fit or not. Right. But you can pretty much put a 65 bug door on 20 cars in a row, and it's going to fit pretty nice. But you won't have that happen on a 356. They were all skinned individually in each car.
0: Oh, so I didn't know that. So the doors were all skinned. And and so that leads me to my next question. Going from the VW and custom car world into the Porsche 356 world, obviously there's some learning curve. And 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 in that world, it's kind of like guarded secrets to some degree. You know what I mean? And and who do you sure. turn to to get some insight? Where, how do you do the research to figure out where the cock goes, where it doesn't go? Because these guys are like, yeah. that's not factory. The first thing you'll do when you go to a show, if you've debuted a car, is you get your head ripped yep. off by all the experts because yep. everyone's an expert,
1: yep. right?
2: Yep. And you're going to get it till the end of time in the Porsche world. Yeah. So all you can do is, <laughs> is I, I what I try and do is work with every customer. And every customer has their own opinions, and Mm -hmm. I follow those opinions. We can lead them different directions on what this person says or this person says. There's a lot of literature that you got to follow. I keep all that. i got a a library like this wide of just different authors' books and their opinions. And you basically, the way I've run my business is I deal with each customer individually as to what they think they should do here or not. And as we do research if it's something they don't know about or they don't have an opinion about or their crew doesn't have an opinion about, then I say, well, this person says this. What would you like to do? But well, we also document as many original cars, unrestored cars, as we can. Um, if you know me as well as some people do, a lot of it's just in my brain, mm-hmm. uh, and I go to a ton of events. You know, I've never stopped going to every Volkswagen and Porsche show that I could possibly get to, yeah. and still, you know, not broke or, or miss work. Yeah. Um, so, and it's just talking to people and learning and paying attention and taking photographs and. Uh, that's what it comes down to. And we may do something and with you know, six cars in a row. And the next thing you know, it's like, those are all, somebody will say, those are all wrong. This is the way it should be. (laughs) Then you've got to go back and decide that with your customers. Mm -hmm. Hey, listen, this is what so-and-so says. What would you like to do? You know, some of them say, well, we need to fix that immediately. Or some will say, oh, I love it the way it is. So it's, it's a weird juggle. It's a very difficult, uh, um, part of my job. Very difficult. And my guys got to hear every day and they've got to learn it they've got to know it you know there's six of us that have to understand how this whole world spins around with around the porsche community. Well, yeah because
0: because you know in the bus world there's always like the the wolfsburg bus and then the you know and, and yes. this year in the factory and so some bus guys seem to get super anal but i think the vw bus guys have no concept of how anal the porsche guys
2: 100 percent. but i think being a bus guy as well i've, I've been able to and dealing with being friends with the, the big big timers in the bus world right? and they're all my buddies and I, and, and I'm open to talking with them and and not ever saying this is the way, this is the way it's always absorbing. Um, you know, that's kind of was my, my learning curve and getting into the Porsche world. But you know, there with the Porsche world, there's not just Wolfsburg and Hanover, like the bus world, there's different coach builders, you know, seven or six or seven coach builders throughout the span of 15, 16 years of the run of the, the 356. Oh yeah. And like right now we just had a, a 62 twin grill roadster come in, which was 248 of those were made. That's it. And only a few survive today. And that particular model was built by a coach builder called Deiterin, and they're the only ones that built those 248 cars. So although you know the panels probably came from Porsche or this was you know, decided by Porsche, we're finding all kinds of differences from that particular coach builder. Yeah. So now who's the expert to decide what is yeah. right or wrong in that world? So fortunately, this car spent a lot of time in storage and there's a lot of stuff that's original, but um, it's a whole nother beast for me to have to spend every night on the Internet. Oh, that's what I was going to tell you before is uh, the Internet has fixed a lot of the research problems, but it's caused a lot of problems because, you know, in the early days, we didn't know. You'd have to go to a show or see a car and then just, you know, geek out over it. Uh, now we go to the internet and look at every photo we can possibly look at and zoom in and email this person and email that person. And uh, so it's made it a little easier, but there's a lot more room for people to sit to, you know, do their talking. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and so it's been, you know, it's been a blessing to have the internet, I guess. Yeah.
0: It? I, listen, it is it, like people, <laughs> our generation is the straddle generation I call us because we straddled like not having the internet and then having the internet and these younger kids that are coming up have, like the, the getting it on the magazine cover, I don't know if it means as much today as it did when we were coming up. In the same respect, you know, like if we wanted to know what, who knew what about something, it's like, oh, this dude, all he does is restore bugs. Let's go talk to him because he knows everything. And for all we know, that was the only a resource we had to go to. And now sure, with the internet and then you, you lay on top of that, like with coach built cars, you know, I had uh, – I had uh, Klaus Messing on here, Klaus Messing on here from uh, the Hebmuller registry on the podcast, you know, and, and we talk about, you know, even though the bodies were serial numbered one through 20, they weren't necessarily built in that sequence. I mean, there's so many layers of like little detail stuff. So while you think some might have a Zerk fitting here, oh, well that was pre this year and the Zerk fitting was down here or, you know. Sure. anomalies like that that happen. so that I think the internet's made it like you said it's made it so much so much easier to find information but it can turn it can turn into a rabbit hole pretty quick
2: sure and it, it's fun for me too because I have that's one of my biggest comments to some of the people I respect in the restoration world you know some of the old timers and I always get a good chuckle out of I don't know how I always some I don't know how you did this pre-internet right you know how did you and especially when you do a card that's very iconic and correct and was done 30 years ago. One of the examples is Victor Miles is a guy that does all our uh, prepping for chrome and polishing and and does what we call restores our smalls. He's in California and he's restored a lot of 356s in the world, but but in the California, you know, uh, that state of uh, very high end, very correct cars. And I I joke with him all the time, as you did this when there was no no internet to do any research, you know. But he also was in the state of California, which has more than anywhere combined right. on the planet you know so he did we was able to see a lot of you know travel here or here or here to, to get those examples of cars we're like in arizona you know we we might have 100 356s in the whole state you know right. it's like uh so it's trying to do this 20 years ago i don't know how i've ever would have been, ever would have succeeded you know i would have been sinking uh especially as picky as the customers are and the, what you were commenting about the, you know the cover uh, getting the. Uh, the covered cars are not having the internet and I've joked with people from the East coast, you know, like when you saw a really cool cowlick car that had Minnesota plates or Idaho or, uh, or, you know, somewhere like South Carolina or, or Florida at yeah. like the bug jamboree in the nineties, you're like, Whoa, this guy nailed it. How did he even know how to yeah. to do this? You know, yeah. you know, just grab that hot VWs off the shelf in Florida and say, Oh, I like the way that looks. That's yeah. how I'm going to restore my car. Now it's just, you know, you can see three or 400, Cool cars of today, and 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 make your car stylish.
0: <clears throat> now that leads me to another question: when you're building, when you're building some of these cars, I'm sure there's people that have you build cars that don't want their cars on the internet, and then yeah. there are people that are building their cars to debut somewhere, and they they don't want them on the internet because th- now I, we've had a couple podcasts where I've brought up, you know, I think people over over uh overexpose their builds so by the time it's done everybody's like ho-hum like yeah Yeah. i've seen every detail yeah that's that one car it's pretty clean you know but uh how do you uh, do you you have clients that are like don't i want my car shown anywhere you know
2: yeah and that's kind of a double-edged sword because you know with the internet with facebook instagram all social media you've got to keep up on it keep people hyped keep people excited but then now that you've got this car, they've seen the entire build, which which is nice because they're all hyped up for it. But then once you debut it, they're like, "Oh, I already saw that car." Yeah. You know, and then we didn't get like when I when I showed my car. I remember pulling in to Bugarama and RK <laughs> Smith hit the floor, got down on one knee, was we just blasting off photos of my car, and it's like, boom, you know, my heart went out yeah. to here. But you don't get that anymore because you know that every when you pull in, everybody's already seen this thing. There's not that that instant shock factor of seeing this car that's never seen daylight before. And so, yeah, it's tough. And I do have customers that don't want things seen ahead of time, but a lot of them are okay with the photos and stuff, but it's, uh, I'd rather nobody sees the car until the day it's pulled out of the trailer. But unfortunately, we've got to keep people excited on social media these days. So it kind of has to happen.
1: Yeah, You
2: know, you can't even, like Riddler cars, you know, even one photograph gets out of those and they're disqualified. Uh, You know, we imagine those people have to build a whole nother room because they've got to be on social media. Yeah. So most of those cars get a secret special area in the shop that nobody gets to go into. I can't even fathom having
1: to section
2: off an area in my shop, you know, (laughs) just so that nobody can see or take a photo of a car. But it makes sense. And that's why the Riddler, you know, is such a coveted thing besides the quality cuz these are cars that the minute they hit the panorama they're they they've never been seen before by the public. Yeah. You know, just the builders. And and I want to and the so, owners.
0: And, and and so I want to ask you a question now since since now I'm going to lean on you like my Porsche buddy that that'll talk to me cuz you're uh you're started I know your humble roots. If I'm going to well, pick a, if I'm going to pick a a Porsche show to go to and you know like we're we have similar tastes and stuff, what's going to be the yeah. most bang for my buck to go to what Porsche show where I'm just going to I'm going to dig everything that's there.
2: Um, probably a, a West, what they call a West coast holiday. Uh, that event, there's an East coast holiday every year and a West coast holiday every year. Well, I say every year is if a local club in a certain city or state will pick up the event and run it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they'll go two or three years without, without having one. Cause nobody put the event together. Um, but East coast holiday is typically say East of the Mississippi, West coast holidays, West of the Mississippi, then it's held all over the country in those areas. Um, I say that because you'll get um, different parts of the country so you can travel or you may see cars you never see in your area, um, but you get a nice mix of custom and stock. You know, you get outlaws and you get Concord cars at these events, and everybody d- typically drives the cars as well. They do a lot of driving events. Uh, it's a real neat, neat deal that's put on. Um, the lit meet every year is a uh, – is held at LAX Hilton. That's a neat place to go to only because you can see parts that are this big that are worth twenty thousand dollars. You know, (laughs) it's just really crazy to see that and all the the who's who's in the industry, Jerry Seinfeld and guys like that are walking around uh buying things for their collections. And uh but the event the next day at the Phoenix Club uh is nice. Um it's uh in Anaheim and it's put on the very next morning, but it's not a, a real big show. So if you came from, say, out of the country, it's kind of underwhelming because there's not a lot <laughs> right. to look at, right? So the, the West Coast holiday seems to be the – or East Coast holiday to me is the event to go to. Now, the Porsche Parade um, is held every year in a different, um, a different state as well, city and state. It was actually supposed to be in Palm Springs, Arizona. This year, where we were debuting a 57 Speedster, mm-hmm. um, but it got canceled, and unfortunately, they're not going to pick it back up in Palm Springs, which is only four hours away. Wow. Next year, it's in Minnesota, so we've got to travel to Minneapolis, or, uh, Minneapolis, Minneapolis yeah. to be able to de- debut this car there next year. But the Porsche Parade is put on by the Porsche Club of America. It's been going on since the late 50s, and um, you're going to see mainly Concord cars at that show, like you know, ones that basically have never seen pavement. They drive them onto the, the grass or the wherever they went with diapers on the tires. You know, and you can't even have a piece of grass in your tread at those events.
0: And so now so, kn- knowing you to put 100 plus thousand miles on your on your original paint bus. Yeah, yeah. Like how, how like does it make you crazy sometimes that you build these cars are so nice. You think like, man, the, the ultimate thing would be to just to drive this
1: car.
2: Fortunately, the guys typically do drive them. You know, we do one or two real heavy concours with them, and then they just start burning the rubber off their cars. Nice. So it's nice. I mean, there's a few that just sit, but most of my customers drive their cars, and it's kind of an argument sometimes too for them in their own minds because they're making these cars flawless and they're just going to go drive them. And, and but it, most of my customers are excited that they're making them flawless, and then they're going to go, you yeah. know, put thousands of miles on them. That's kind of the Porsche 356 community is is pretty. Pretty dead set on driving these cars. Yeah. At any at any any quality of how they're built, they want them to be driven and drivable. So we don't just make these so they look pretty and they only drive 20 miles in their lifetime. I mean, they put thousands of miles on these cars that we spend thousands of hours making flawless.
0: And then motors, like who do you go? Who's you guys install the motors and drivetrain and all that stuff? You guys turnkey yes. that car out, right?
2: We'll do turnkey cars. We do the, the full installs. We don't build the transmissions here. We don't build the engines here. And we don't install interiors. We will install the tranny. We will install the motor and button up any interior work that might be done off site. Uh, and typically, we use Arizona transaxle for our transmissions. We've been mm-hmm. using them for 30 years here in town for the VWs and the Porsches. Uh, interiors we usually leave up to the customer, but we do have a gentleman here in town. Uh, named Scott Johnson at Stuttgart Upholstery. It's been doing amazing work. Uh, his uncle actually started Autos International in, in San Diego, Escondido, I think. And he started there when he was 14. So he knows these cars. And he's been, I think he's done the last seven of them for us. And they're just flawless. Uh, motors, again, we leave up to the customer. This kind of takes the liability off of us. But sure. typically in the Porsche world, everybody has an engine builder that they've used 50 years, used a dozen times. Uh, their friends use them, whatever the story might be. Mm-hmm. So we kind of let the customer decide. If they don't have anybody, we'll turn them on to a few people. Uh, Dan awesome! A competition engineering's built a few motors, and and then we'll do that install, tune them, and then off they go.
1: Nice,
0: nice. So you guys have no shortage of business. Things are jamming right al- right along. And, uh, you're, I, I mean, I'm, I'm stoked to see the success. Cause I, I knew you before you were big time, <laughs> but uh, you still know, not
2: big time, my friend, well,
0: but you know what I mean? Like <laughs> we're
2: still climbing. we're still climbing that mountain every day, man. There's still, uh, there's still a great number of restorers out there that do a great job. Sure. Uh, but there's still a number of restorers that people will still go to that would blow their doors off of every event and are a hundred thousand dollars less of restoration. Yeah, it's just a. I, I think it's a mountain that we're going to climb until, until, we're ready to quit. You know, the and, day we quit is the day that uh, we get famous, I guess, as they'd say. But
0: well, and, and and in that world, like one of the guys that's in that world that I I would think that you may know Rod Emery. Um, Absolutely. And
2: good friends with Rod.
0: Okay, so tell Rod I need him on the podcast because I because I know he's got <laughs> VW roots.
2: Oh uh, yeah, man. You know what I mean? That I've seen
0: real. I've seen a bunch of the stuff that's he's that he's done back in the day. As a matter of fact. I, I saw a picture of a crew cab that he built that looked a little bit – that had the same wheels that mine has on it, similar, and yeah. uh, he built for a, a motocross guy. But, you know, I've always been a fan of, like, the outlaw stuff, and I know you're – as much as you have that stock bus, I know you I know you deep down, like, your custom stuff. Yes. Are, are you going to build I, it, a car? It's weird.
2: Uh, build a what?
0: Are you going to build a car for yourself, a 356 or something for yourself?
2: I, I already have a three.
0: And is it stock or custom?
2: It's custom. It's an outlaw. <laughs> so I, I was fortunate enough. The only reason I have one, like when you said before, you know, for us broke Volkswagen guys, right. you have to get a Porsche. I was just lucky enough that a little old lady, uh, ASU professor passed away. Her, son, her brother uh, inherited the car and went into my buddy's shop, had to get rid of it that day, no matter what. And I drove the car home for fourteen grand. Oh, so 65-6C, wow. uh, six one owner. And I've uh, been driving it for about eight years now but i i dropped Drop it actually it. quentin daly helped me lower it uh just because he was working for me at the time and and he just likes helping out sure and uh put it on american racing torque thrust nice. uh, magnesiums um, like r- lights, original ones yeah and so um speed, nice. put speedster seats in it put a, a luggage rack on the back uh you know just to have my have my fun with it put some cool little fog li- or um, Horn grilled deletes in the front. has got the original owner had put headlight baskets on it and Talbot mirrors on the fenders. Really? So and it already had racing seat belts in it when I got it. So she was probably some hot rod lady back in the day. Yeah. You know, the early 60s. No, it's a great car. I, I took it to my first trip was to the with it was to the West Coast holiday in Santa Fe about eight or nine years ago. But I've driven that all down through Southern Arizona, New Mexico. It's been to the uh, California three or four times. So and I drive.
0: And those cars are, uh, from your perspective of having your bus and all that kind of stuff, yeah. are those Porsches uh, considerably more reliable? Or I mean, really, a VW that's untouched is quite reliable. I just, I just, I, I just bought a. I don't know if you saw on Instagram. I just bought a VW limousine in Texas on uh-huh. last Thursday. I flew to Texas, bought a '73 VW limousine, and I told Lady I bought it, and I said I'm going to drive it back to Vegas. <laughs> And I, uh, yeah. and I drove it back to vegas me and my wife and, it, and and you know my wife's like is it gonna make it i'm like we're gonna find out it's either gonna break within the first <laughs> three hours or it's going all the way and short of yeah. the brakes being completely out of adjustment and grinding the back drums and i tried to adjust the fronts, but they were froze i had uh i had my son come down and, and pick me up in holbrook arizona so i made it 1200 miles in two days two and a half days but cool. You know, the 356s, although being a 1600, they're pretty it's, – it's a pretty potent little – I mean, it's different than driving a bug.
2: Yeah, yeah. So, you know, Porsche saved all his best ideas for himself. You know, he wasn't going to give them all away to, to right. Volkswagen. But, he, um, you know, when you look at the design of the heads and the design of the intake manifolds, dual carbs, um, you know, the, everything was just a little bit better, a little bit more horsepower. The exhaust flanges are stretched out a little more surface area. Um, you know, obviously motor guys are going to give you a little more – uh information than I can on that I'm not sure a motor sure. guy by any means but um you know my my bus my my 21 has a 1776 uh my my SO34 Westphalia has an 1835 in it full you know with the full camper that they're about equal speeds I'd say you know my buses do 75 all day on the highway uh the 356 I've had up to 90 and it just cruises nice the gearing yeah. you know it's got a real nice high end gear they had different gearing in the transmissions as well but Uh, My C has, you know, real comfortable at 85 miles an hour. Um, You know, it's got four-wheel disc brakes from the factory. The C's, 64 and 65 C's had four wheel discs, you know, they were top of the line back then.
0: And because you, so, because you drive a late, <laughs> because you got a late model 356, yeah, yeah. is there
2: you know what's funny is I, I call it my super beetle. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like <laughs>
0: even the Porsche guys, like us VW guys look at the 356 and go, oh man, I'd take anyone. They're really cool. But then the Porsche guys, it's got to be older and more archaic, which is like yeah. from a comfort standpoint, the C has got to be more comfortable to drive and more comfortable to daily than a, a bent window coupe. You know what I mean?
2: But I think you you find any guy with a bent window coupe, he's got a C in the garage that he takes on his road trips.
1: Yeah, yeah, for uh, sure.
2: I mean, it, it, they're, I mean, they're definitely a great driving car. You know, you get in a, a bent window is basically like driving a split window bug. I mean, it's not oh, I hate any it different. Than driving <laughs> a split window, a little more juice, a little more <laughs> oomph. But it, it is, you know, like getting in your stock split and trying to go, you know, down the highway. It's 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 a it's a. Yeah, it's a tough drive.
0: No thanks, I'm not a. <laughs> I,
2: in a car, it's worth. The car that's worth double, you know, or triple what a split window is worth, and those are worth a ton. You yeah, know? yeah, it's crazy. Well, I did, I did one, I did one trip in my fifty uh, sunroof standard sunroof split window. Yeah. Uh, uh, to Prescott, and yeah. my my uh, friend drove my it used to be mine, but it was a forty three thousand original mile oval window, mm-hmm. and we just decided to go up to the show in Prescott. Mind you, it's only an hour and a half north. So I think it took us about three hours. Uh, we have one <laughs> big hill, up Blue valley that's or up uh, Black Canyon City that'll kill a twenty-five horsepower motor. Sure. Um, but the scariest thing was to see cars coming up on your ass at like sixty-five miles an hour and don't realize you're doing twenty-five miles an hour, <laughs> and at the last minute they just zoom around you, and that's the furthest I've ever gone in a twenty-four, five horsepower motor, and I'll never do it again.
0: Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I when I got my split. I drove it and, and when I had to downshift to get on the freeway on ramp and I think I was running on three cylinders so I wasn't even 25 horse I was like you know 37 horse and I'm just like I can't do this like there's no no way I'm driving a 36 <laughs> or a 25 horse and and I was like this thing's getting a motor put in it because that was one thing like you're, you're used to like a little bit of a hot rod this or that and you know you sure. get in your bus or whatever it's got a little 1800 and you can kind of Pull on somebody a little bit, but when when you're just there to get abused yep. on the highway, man. <laughs>
2: that's yeah, it. well, my my first car, my bug, had a twenty one ten in it. You know, I'm an eighteen year old, seventeen year old with a two liter monster. Uh, I got an early start on on the speed, you know, the need for speed. Yeah. In these cars, so yeah, getting in that twenty five horse is like, uh-uh. and that was a, i was probably in my probably about twenty eight or twenty nine when that, yeah, maybe even younger than that, twenty seven, and just getting you know my other car in the driveway is a two liter. Yeah, it was a it was a big big change. Yeah, but no, now, that's... and then i i always compliment you know i did a, a 1943 kdf and a, a 49 headmuller for dick christensen uh real real well-known guy yeah. in the, you know in the volts vintage world and they took both those cars on that fatherland tour you know where they drove from la to new york oh. and then they Ship shipped them, them over. over to england they drove them through the channel to to, to bad camberg and then back again and uh Every time I see, you know, every time after I see him and after I did that trip I'm like I cannot believe you drove this 25 horsepower from LA to New York. No way. In a, in a KDF,
1: no. you know, it was
2: always just a, a blew my mind. Yeah. But he enjoy- you know, he had a blast doing it and it was cool to see the the heb and the KDF at bad camber. That yeah, was 1999. is when wow. I went to that event with that but every time I see him I'm like that must have been murder.
0: <laughs> yeah, you got to clear your schedule for the next 6 months and
2: then yeah, not- I think it took a Get there or something like that, yeah. Not have
0: <laughs> any place to be.
2: Well, but that was running the mill back in the day, you know, that yeah, was life, As yeah. fast as they went,
0: so anything else you want to talk to that we didn't touch on that you might want to talk about about uh, what you're doing now, your shop, and what what your crew's up to over there?
2: Yeah, I mean, we, we still take on whatever somebody wants to give to us. I mean, right now we have a 59 convertible bug, mm-hmm. um, uh, we have an in house pinstriper tattoo artist, we got a tattoo studio here too named asher emerson he's a big old vw guy too he had a 56 oval window An old friend of mine uh, he worked at dino's for years great artist. um he's doing a, a the um radium light bulb uh, barn door 1950 it's the third oldest in the world that's oh, here gosh. in our shop he's doing all re, recreating all the logos uh for ed down in uh in uh, socal and um still paint uh uh, a lot of buses for uh, D- D- Doug Denlinger and Dave Swinehagen. I do all the spray work for them because I got a legal spray booth and they're just, you know, working out of their houses. Nice. Um, and we still do that. Uh, have a, my brother's 57 over window in here that he's still building um, Two of my brothers work with me. There's three of us that work together every day. And then we have three other guys here that are uh, just really good old friends wow. um, get along great. So that's fun. Um, anytime we usually have about five or six 356s or 911s or maybe some collision jobs in here or whatever but um, i'm real proud about the fact that i that i keep cars moving nothing ever sits so our typical turnkey concour restorations 12 to 14 months um, once people are on the list they be patient you know we don't forget about them once they're in turn in line once they get in the shop 12 14 months later they're driving their car full Concorde. every nut and bolt has the correct name on the end of it All the gaps are correct. You know, everything's restored flawlessly. Um, You know, if we just do paint, body and metal only, depending on the car, uh, you know, you could be three, four months in here doing that. Oh, really? And you get your car back and you're assembling it yourself. So I do have a few cars that have been here up to about two years, but it's just because I'm waiting on outsourcing, unfortunately, engine builders, uh, waiting for people to find the correct parts for their car. Another thing is I really like to stress to people to have their uh, you know, their motor maybe already built before the car comes in. Or yeah, maybe the
0: drivetrain.
2: Yeah, or have all the rare parts there. You know, we have a 50, 55 Continental 356 coming in in February um, uh, for uh, a really high-up guy in the 356 registry, and um, Kirk Dansby. And I basically had a call saying, you know, you're in in February. Just make sure your ducks are in a row. You know, he said, well, maybe I'll have the engine built over this winter. And I said, that'd be actually a really good idea. Sure. Because... That's some of the stuff that holds us up. Yeah. So, uh, fortunately not being able to have an in-house engine builder, in-house tranny builder, in-house interior guy, those are the kind of the things that lag behind in, in what we do here. But, but the car's done, correct. All the ducks are in a row. 12, 14 months, you're driving your car. Nice. And you know a lot of these shops, three years, five years, ten years. I mean, we've heard every story out there. Yeah. Uh, and, but our customers have to be motivated as well. You know, if you get a customer that isn't you know, knows the restoration is going to be $200,000 six months into it. He runs out of money or whatever the situation he's got to understand that we need to keep moving. So we and don't I, like to deliver cars that aren't done, but
0: yeah. And a restoration. I mean, if you're doing a three fifty six from from ground up, I mean, you're looking at 200 grand probably to do that car turnkey. Yeah. And,
2: that, and that's at our shop. There could be, it could be less, uh, you know, if the, all the parts are there and the car isn't real rusty, 170, 200 is our average. Mm -hmm. Um, there's shops in California that start at 300,000. Uh, so it's, we're still working in our way to, to be able to, to make a really good living. Uh, but now we're just kind of just getting there every time, Yeah. getting to the end of that, you know, that, that zero mark at the end of each month. But, um, you know, we're doing the best work we can for as cheap as we can do it. And, you know, very limited amount of customers that can afford what we're doing. I can't afford my own restoration work. Right. You know, I have a I have my own cars that are just an original paint and are unrestored. You know, maybe I like them like that. Yeah. Or you know, maybe I just can't afford to work on my own cars.
1: Yeah. No, so, that's. Uh... Yeah, I
2: have a I have a 52 uh, Cabriolet, uh, Carmen cab that, that my girlfriend would kill to be driving around in, but I just can't get to it. Yeah. Well,
0: I'm stoked. I mean, I'm glad to get you on on here on the podcast. It's been it's yeah, been man. good talking. To you. And you're still doing. I mean, you're you're not opposed. Like if somebody's got a Volkswagen body a body pan, whatever you need painted, you're you don't turn that stuff away. I'm assuming.
2: I have a I have a turnkey 65 bug coming in in February. Yeah. Got what it's going to cost, and he loves the car. Um, and we still do. We did a, two Fridlins. You know, from ground up, uh, paint body and metal. Mm-hmm. Customers are building. Got them basically as rolling chassis. Uh, I mean, it's just whatever walk in the door. If somebody wants to come in with a 280 ZX that wants to show full Concord and willing to pay our hourly, hourly rate, we'll take the car on.
1: Nice. Uh, we
2: do know the, you know, we do know the Volkswagen, the Porsches, like the back of our hands. Uh, but we're willing to do whatever it takes to make a living. Really?
0: Sure. Sure. And then yep. uh, in respect to like somebody wrecks their classic, like their classic Volkswagen yeah. or Porsche, yep. you know, yep. you've, you specialize in some of that collision stuff too.
2: Yep, absolutely. And we're actually uh, Haggerty's preferred shop here in Arizona. So they send us all the other cars out there that get wrecked. Um, If you actually look on my website, there's a 59 sunroof, the one I just told you about that we put a beam in. Yeah, Uh, We did a convertible D for that customer that debuted last year at the West Coast Holiday. Mm -hmm. And that's on my website as well. It's a dark blue aquamarine convertible D. It's a mild outlaw. He wrecked that car about two months before um, the D was finished. It was a full show car. It actually won its class. Uh, down at the San Clemente show. And um, unfortunately, on his way home near Salinas, he uh, wrecked it, turned away for a minute, turned around, the traffic had stopped. So we're doing that full repair. And then once he saw the quality of his D, um, I spoke to him for about five minutes and said, so since we're doing the repair and now you see your D, he says, yeah, restore my whole other car, take it all down. So we took that car all the way back down to bare metal and doing our quality restoration to it while it's in here for the insurance repair so he did it himself you know with you know uh, uh do-it-yourself job that was really nice right but he just you know while we're here do it to the next level redo all the chrome redo the paint metal and body redo the rubber seals again And only had like twenty thousand miles on it wow. since he restored it, so. but so he's uh out cruising his convertible d up in san francisco now and and uh and uh we're probably painting that in the next few weeks, and he'll have that other car back to him early early next year.
0: Yeah, I'm looking at this wrecked race car.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's we're we're, we're midway of uh, re- repairing that, so True. that's a gentleman. Actually, he's up in Sacramento. Yeah, the, the photographer got some really cool. Yeah, he did shots of that thing rolling. So oh, we're about halfway done. The roof uh, uh, is coming off today. The the front end and and rear ends all fixed. We straightened it on our select bench. Uh, we're one of only three shops in the country that have the 356 jigs for the select bench.
1: Oh, really? So every,
2: car, every single car that we, 356 that we get in the shop, whether it's been wrecked or not, we put on that select to make sure it's square. So we zero the whole car out because it could have taken a curb and moved the beam slightly and you wouldn't see that right by the eye. But the bench tells all, so... And every so th- car that comes in here goes on our bench.
0: And so that bench will give you the factory reference locations, and it'll tell you Absolutely. like if the car's yep. been hit or not.
2: Yep. All the measurements are done through Selet. Selet's a Porsche certified uh, frame machine company. Those those jigs, the fixtures, the MZs on that Selet bench are from you know from the '60s. Wow. So, and I was fortunate enough that a buddy of mine had two sets of them, and he sold me one of his. Wow. But I spent almost thirty grand making that whole bench workable for putting a car on it so that's a long climb up to actually recover my money from that yeah that's a
0: (laughs) that's a that's a a commitment but it's a commitment to say to, to you know do the job right you know
2: that that rolled over race car is in here only because we have that select bench yeah then he saw the work we did and then assured him that he's taking it to the right shop
0: wow well, that's cool, man. Anybody you want to thank before we wrap it up? Some of your, some of your Bilting. guys out there. <laughs> but I mean, some, I just want, some of your crew that you've been out there that's been, that, that's been down since day one.
2: Yeah, man. All my, all my friends here in town, Sven Sivertson's been behind me hundred percent. Like when uh, I started my own shop, he was the guy that he bought me my first toolbox and said, pay me back whenever. So I had somewhere to put my tools. He, uh, you know, he was there fixing the lights making sure everything was working, hooking up deionized water that we use in our wet sanding process. Always like instrumental on, on keeping me hyped and keeping me, keeping me positive during all the real low times, you know, when your credit card balance is 20,000 and (laughs) you have no more money coming in. You know, he was always there to say, you got this man. Uh, my brothers who, who I've been working side by side with since, since I was got into cars, you know, we're a first generation, uh, auto restoration guys, you know, me and my brothers, for some reason, just love cars. Uh, and they've, we've all learned together and side by side through that. So, uh, I also want to thank, uh, um, you know, Dino for showing me what he did. My buddy Crash that taught me how to paint. Uh, he's a hard ass, but he's the one that painted my bug the first time yeah. he signed my dash like a Carroll Shelby this last summer. It was really fun. <laughs>
1: That's after that.
2: But, um, yeah, it's just, uh, uh, my guys, Dave, Rose, Mason, Mac, uh, McDonald that are here today um, working with me right now. I'm kind of downsized to six people. That's about as much as I can handle without stuff getting loose. Yeah. Uh, details. Buddy, you know, I like to thank him. He came in. Uh, we used to work side by side in the same building. He came in and just uh, asked me for a corner in my shop uh, to deal the wet sand a car to have me paint it for him. Yeah. And he never, he never left. He's like, a <laughs> he's like a girlfriend that never went away, you know? So, and then we were able to feed off each other, you know, he got customers for me, I got customers for him and we've always had a real good relationship on, on that. And it was nice to have him get me through some of the hard times because we, you know, shared the bills and yeah. doing that stuff on my own. I don't think I would have made it. So, and then, uh, Quentin Daly one, was one of my plays for years. Uh, he's a German folk yeah. Did real great work. He just took over his family business. Is the reason he left. But he did amazing work on the cars that are out there today. Uh, Dallas Messner uh, was one of my really good employees. He decided to go back and be a, a mother trucker again. You like yeah. truck driving? <laughs> you probably know Dallas. Nobody nobody can forget Dallas. Oh yeah. Uh, and then uh, and then girl, she worked here for a long time. Um, she just had to to go her her own direction as well. But um, so a lot of people come in and remember there'd be a girl in here wet sanding and grinding and cutting him. Yeah. You know, pigtails hanging out of the back of a welding helmet but um, she was a lot of fun to have around um, and then my parents you know for just not kicking my ass when I dropped out of college and you know my mom my mom gave me one summer to get that that piece of crap car out of the side of her yard out of the side of her yard and that's when I put the 65 body on the 68 pan uh, when I built my car she gave me one summer to or she'd have it towed to the junkyard yeah but so, so she put up with some crap you know building a car in her driveway where her car should be parked so that, you know, very motivated. She taught me my, my, all my pickiness and my, you know, everything being tidy. She's a hard ass lady, man. You know, everything had to be flawless growing up. So, oh, no, a ton to her. Yeah. That's so, where,
0: that, that, that's what, that's where it starts is, is kind of how we're raised, shaped and molded. And, uh,
2: Oh, I, I hated her for it growing up, but
0: <laughs> you thank her for it now.
2: <laughs> absolutely. thousand percent. Well, yeah, every, every bit, people ask me all the time why I'm so, everything's so perfect and in line. I say, Oh, it's my mom. You know, it was ingrained into me. You know, we'd have to do our homework. You know, we'd have it out on the table. Even though we had to do it the next morning, she'd make us put all our homework in each book, stack them all up, biggest to smallest, before we could go to bed to wake up and just break them all out again. Yeah. And at the time, you're like, what the hell? You know, all the dishes had to be done, put away, nothing in the sink. We, we always joked that our mom basically raised us that Better Homes and Gardens could have walked in the front door at any time. <laughs> Yeah, we're in South Phoenix. Better Homes and Gardens isn't knocking <laughs> on your door, Mom. Right now, now it, it's fun to give her crap, but I, I owe all that to to her that ingrained into to to, you know, to be picky and, and and peculiar and and tidy on things. So, well,
0: that's cool, man. But I'm gla- the detail. I, I'm 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 glad we had a chance to sit down and chat. Uh, like I said, it's been a while. Last time I ran into you was at C- was it the SEMA show? And yeah, oh yeah, you were debuting yeah. that Porsche, and I thought that that was just such a such a super nice
1: car. Um, it
2: was cool that that happened. You know, Valspar, uh, which, which owned Pro Spray, they they uh, somehow heard about the car and, and it just worked out. The car was just about finished. The owner would love to have had it there. Rod Emery, you know, he uh, gave us an outlaw badge during the events, him and his dad, Gary. It, uh, so it was neat to have the Emerys there uh, yeah. and sent this. The owner was there. He got to get presented an outlaw badge uh, outside of a, a real Emery car. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. And one thing about Rod, which is really funny and I kid to him all the time about this, it's like we're like the same person. We just moved in different states at the same kind of the same rate. Right. You know, being for Volkswagens and and then morphing in well his dad with the three fifty sixes. But yeah, you know, he's three he's third generation uh automotive restorer, you know, and it's uh kind of been in his blood and so it's kinda of neat to know that we're kinda of at that same level, but we started this in my mom's driveway, not even, I didn't even have, I had a screwdriver, and maybe one set of wrenches when I. Converting a
0: 68 to an early. That's the, that's, that's yeah. the first I, level custom for a VW guy. Like once you show I, up at I, the meet and everybody's like, you, should, you need to have a 67 earlier. You're like, all right.
2: <laughs> yeah. Bummer. Yeah, I decromed that car in my mom's driveway with wood glue. Nice. I put tape under the holes, poured wood glue in there and sanded the wood glue and primed it. My that's first it. decroming was with wood glue.
0: Get it done. Get it done. <laughs> Well, Radman, So if anybody wants to get in touch with you, how do they get in touch with you?
2: Uh, DeluxeCustoms.com, uh, Instagram, the same, Facebook, um, 426 West Gemini, Tempe, Arizona. Stop in anytime. We're, our time. It's an open shop. We invite people to come in. And when you're, you're storing a car with us, we beg you to, to surprise us so you can see what we're doing to your cars. Uh, 602-909-3335 is the phone number. That's right. Um, real easy to find. Real easy to find. You can just pull into Arizona and say, who does the horses and the VWs? And they're going to point you to me. <laughs> nice. Nice. Well, cool,
0: man. Well, thanks for coming on the podcast. And uh, I'm sure I'll see you sometime soon at the next event, hopefully. So
2: I'll pay you another compliment too, Bill, because we did, didn't know each other real well. You were working with Buddy on a car. Yeah. And uh built a 60 Cadillac for a buddy of mine, Mac. Yeah. and. uh we came rolling into Vegas uh, with this dirty ass Cadillac that needed to debut at the uh, the well, um, oh, what was that event back then? Oh, Anyhow, like the, yeah, uh, the Cadillac. It was like a, a, a
0: Viva Las Vegas.
2: Viva Las Vegas. Yeah, it was a hot rod Cadillac. And uh, I said just I randomly, say, "Hey, Bill, we kind of met. You really don't know me, but can I come bum a car wash?" station from your house there. Yeah. And you said, Absolutely one hundred percent my house is yours and sure enough you let us just roll in. I think we spent the whole day scrubbing that thing down in your driveway and your and your garage. You, you know, you fed us and gave us drinks. That's always uh <laughs> that's always stuck with me that you're, you know, open to just a stranger basically to, to, to bum your house. So
0: no, look, it goes man, a
2: long ways and it's uh, we've always been kind of friends over it.
0: That's it, man. Listen to Car it's it's, sure. it's that mutual respect matter, of the desert rats <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's not, it's not, not everybody's like that. So I, I appreciate it. I've always, I've always uh, held that gear to my heart. No, that's hey man, I thank
0: you. You've been a solid since day one, brother, and that's why one of the reasons I want to get you on the podcast. And if you guys want to support, go buy some merch at DeluxeCustoms.com. Check out his website, and uh, for sure check out Matt if you're in Tempe, Arizona. Go check out his shop because he's got a lot of cool stuff going on over there, man. All right, brother. Well, it's been great chatting it up right with you. And, I, and I'm and i probably running down to Phoenix to drop right. something off, or to Tempe, as you guys call it in there, to drop some off to Buddy. So yeah, when yeah. I'm down there, I'm going to stop by and pay you a visit as well.
2: You better. I, I can't will. believe you haven't. We've been in the new shop here for almost eight years. I And,
0: so. and I haven't been down there in a long time.
2: Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah, yeah. Come on, man. Visit us.
0: All right, brother. Good having you on, man. If you like that podcast make sure you share this podcast with a friend. Help Let's Talk Dubs grow so we can keep bringing you more great content and coming up with more cool things for you guys to do. Uh, This week, we got a shout-out to a supporter that picked up some merch. Uh, this week, our supporter who picked up some merch, Rod Stipe, Rod Stipes out of uh, South Carolina, Mountain Rest, South Carolina, picked up some merch, picked up a shirt and some stickers. So we appreciate him. Don't forget, guys, register for the event in Las Vegas. You probably fly here. It's super cheap. And You never know, man. I might loan you one of my Volkswagens. <laughs> anyway, guys, uh, I love the support. I appreciate what you guys do, man. And I look forward to seeing you guys that come down in October and put on more good podcasts next week, man. As always, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. I've got new video footage up this week from my road trip to Texas, and I'll be doing a podcast, and I may have my guest, my beautiful wife, Miss Megan, on so she can tell you what it's like to be married to a big, fat, ugly guy like me. So, at any rate, guys, until next week, later. a, a
1: nice station
0: wagon, to have